And to help us talk about that, we have our friend Oscar. How you doing, Oscar? Good! I'm very optimistic that this will go well. <laughs> uh, listeners, this is about the uh, t- second and a half time that we have <laughs> attempted to record this episode. I don't know. And it's really more like 43 or 44, isn't it? Feels like it. <laughs> the other voice you've heard is none other than Yasha from Empty Movement, who is also here to join us to talk about Utena. How are you doing, Yasha? I'm good. Excellent. So, hey, wait, hey, wait, I think, I think Oscar needs a little bit more of an introduction here, because. Okay, yeah. Oh, do I? Yeah. (laughs) Yasha, you want to take it away? Hell no. (laughs) I just felt like you were probably a little more acquainted with all of the stuff that Oscar does. Panda, we forgot to do the most important thing. Uh Uh-oh. What what did I forget? We're supposed to, we're supposed to ask our guests, every time we have a new one, what their experience with Utsuna is. Uh-oh. Yeah, I figured we would get into that. <laughs> That's an introduction. Okay, and I can, like, drop some promotions in there subtly as we go. I don't know, <laughs> you don't, but it's subtle. not, can, it's not subtle if you mention it first. <laughs> this is This is your moment. You can plug whatever you want. Oscar, you want to tell us a little bit about your history with Revolutionary Girl Utena and the Utena things that you do on the internet that yeah, are yeah, very t- good and exciting? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, totally. Uh, I first got into Utena about, like, the summer of 2016. Uh, there was a person I followed on Twitter who had live-tweeted the entire thing uh, the year before, so I knew that it existed and that it was, like, a weird sort of a weird gay anime that was really old. Uh, I feel like that's how I, that was how I was introduced to Utena <laughs> It's weird, because I saw this person live tweet literally the entire thing, and then when I started watching, I remembered absolutely none of it. That's uh, probably to your benefit. Actually, the only thing that I remembered that stuck out from that Twitter was uh, them laughing really hard about Akio drinking a cocktail in the last episode while everything else is happening. Well, let's be fair, that is really, really funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm remembering this right, but they also linked an interview excerpt of Ikuhara where he said that he added in, like, straw slurping sounds for that bit just because he thought it was funny. <laughs> that sounds incredibly on brand for him, actually. I would believe it. There's a lot of weird, like, added sound moments. Um, I don't know. I think Panda and Alice, I think we mentioned this before, but uh, in the movie... When Anthe and Utena are lying on the bed, the zipper sound is added in. That wasn't originally supposed to be there. Oh, no, I don't... Uh, <laughs> I think you did mention this, but I forget everything that we say as soon as we finish recording, so... Panda's kind of like a fish like that. <laughs> so, you know, fish and their podcasts. I don't know, wouldn't that be like a bubble cast? <laughs> oh what? <laughs> Anyway, 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 Oscar should tell us about the things that he does online for for Utena. Uh, there's a lot so, of them. Just one thing, I I watched eight episodes of Revolutionary Girl Utena, and then I got really bored because I wasn't invested at that point. Hell yeah! Uh, <laughs> and then I watched all seventy episodes of Card Captor Sakura, and then I went back to Utena. And got to episode nine, which made me like, oh, shoot, things are happening. Uh, 
Yeah, that's pretty and, much my experience, too. <laughs> and then I binge-watched the whole rest of the thing, and I didn't understand any of it, but it was really cool. That was my first watch with Utena, too. It's like, what did I just experience? Yeah, that, I feel like that was me with the movie. <laughs> I feel like Utena's better on a rewatch, because you just, you can, like, absorb more of it now that you kind of know a foundation of it. Also, you know where that bait-and-switch is going now. Like, yeah. you're not sitting there going, is this shoujo crap going to go on forever? On the second rewatch, I I read a bunch, I looked up a bunch of analysis and read a bunch of other people's live blogs of it and, like, absorbed so much information. Uh, and I was like, oh, my God, there is so much to this show, which is why I'm still here to this day. <laughs> and doing things like running Utnabot. Yes, a Twitter that posts screenshots of Utena every two hours. A valuable service. Sometimes. I Which miss days. I did not know was you. Yeah, that's right. I didn't credit myself because it felt weird because I wasn't the original owner of the Twitter. My friend McKenna, who I haven't... Sp- I think she left Twitter, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but she was the one who originally ran the blog, and we met through that because once it popped up, I was like, ooh, Utena Twitter. Uh... And then she got busy after a while, so I became the owner of it. Well, you know, you're just following in the grand tradition of snaking other people's accounts and websites <laughs> from them. Because we did that with the site. We did that with oh, really? Empty Movement. Yeah. Um, well, Geo had... I love this story. <laughs> well, I mean, it, just a short version here. Um, Giovanna had... Uh, she'd started Empty Movement. And then after a while, she it got too big. She, it was an eight-hour-a-day HTMLing job, and it didn't pay. She was paying, like, 60 bucks a month for hosting, and her family was getting, like, financially just, like, yee. So she had to give it up. And um, I actually – that's when I emailed her for the first time. Uh, I emailed her saying, hey, congrats for recognizing when something is too much. Good for you. So she gave up the site, we became friends, and then we realized that the site had gone static for like three months or something, and after daily updates, this was unacceptable. So we just took the passwords, (laughs) plugged them back in, changed them all, and took the site back. (laughs) Wow. The new owner hadn't even changed the password. Yep. (laughs) I don't think we ever spoke to Felia again. Felia is the girl who had said she was going to run the site and I, I we didn't consult her at all we were just like nope ours bye wow. i mean she clearly didn't notice yeah <laughs> but well, yeah so you're, you're just following in the grand mm-hmm. tradition here <laughs> the secret dark backstory of empty movement <laughs> yeah the, the counter coup <laughs> yeah so i run that utinabot twitter and i also am the organizer of the Utena fashion zine last year and this year the Utena future zine which is post-series themed and should be out hopefully in some time (laughs) once I get everything collected and complete I wrote a story (laughs) yes Jiu and Yasha both have stories in it and they're both very very good and very specific tastes but they're still very good Now, is there going to be a place where people can buy this when it's ready? Uh, it'll be on Gumroad for free. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Well, everyone definitely check that out when it's up. And uh, is that the same for the fashion zine? Yes, it is on the same uh, gumroad.com slash utinazine. 
yeah, everybody definitely check that out. I haven't looked at the whole fashion zine yet, but I've seen a bunch of like individual, uh, individual pieces that were in it, and it's incredible. It is. It's so good. I don't know how I managed to complete it because emailing a lot, like seventy people, is a lot of people. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. So you can look forward to those things. Yeah. Big projects are a pain in the butt. By the way, um, Oscar, I wanted to ask. This is as good a time as any because you know people will hear about this now. Um, I wanted to ask, would you be willing to throw in some organizational help on making a tarot deck? Oh, yes, I'd love to. Because I'm super, super serious about that. Like, incredibly a thousand percent serious about having a fan-drawn tarot deck that people can actually buy. So um, that's probably going to be my upcoming project here is getting people together for that. And I would love some help organizing Yes. I know of a website where I believe you can, like, create an account and host, like, a card deck, and then people can purchase it. Yeah, we've we've looked for a few of those. Um, We've got a few options that we're looking at. Um, Awesome. Just trying to get over the whole um, backsplash from the musical. Giovanna is scheduling dates to play the musical on and things like that. But once that's a little bit more taken care of, then yeah, we want to go full bore on this tarot thing because it's been years and the Japanese fandom did it. So we better be able to do it too. Come on now, guys. Right? We'll do it right. better. <laughs> right. Awesomer. Yeah. Awesomer. Well, their deck wasn't a full deck. Ah. Their deck was just the major arcana. We can do better than that. How many, how many of those are in a tarot deck? Um... Oh my god. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> well, no, it's the Major Arcana, so it's like, I think it's like 20-some, 24 or something like that. I, I haven't read tarot cards in forever. <laughs> oh, but it is only like 20-some cards. So, and a, a full deck of tarot cards, I believe, is 78. Wow. Yeah. So, like, getting unique pieces of art for all of that, and that would... Um, we'd also need a, like a design for the backs and stuff like that. But anyway, not to, not to take that over too much. I just figured it was worth mentioning at this point. I will absolutely help out. Thank you, you so you much. Have, you have Yasha, my public word. Yasha, didn't I hear something about, uh, translation for the Blu-ray of the musical? Uh, yeah, yeah, um... So we're still kind of working on that. It's sort of in its 1.0 right now, but Geo is still not quite happy with it and doesn't want to release the translation to the public until she's happy. But yes, there was a translation project. Yes, we totally stole the musical while we were in Japan and have been playing it for people ever since. Sorry, if you if you weren't included on that, you're just not cool enough. I'm sorry. But um, <laughs> anyway, no, I'm joking. I'm, I, it's, you're, you're totally cool, theoretical listener. Totally. <laughs> anyway, um, no, we've had the musical since we went to Japan in March, April-ish. And um, we've been working on a translation ever since. I don't do any of the translation work because um, I don't. <laughs> Which is kind of weird because I actually know more Japanese than Gio. But anyway, it was her baby. Um, 
and she and Barafubuki have been the ones who worked the most on it. It's gone through a couple editors like Mazaboom. I've done some light editing on it. Um, and unfortunately, you cannot maybe put it on the television if you have a Blu-ray player that you buy the musical disc and watch it in then you'll probably have to look at your phone for the translation because there's no way for us to interject it onto the disc or anything like that. That's just, uh, no. But if you use your computer, then, like, if your computer has a Blu-ray drive in it, then, yes, you will be able to overlay subtitles right onto the screen. So it's pretty exciting, and the musical is freaking awesome, which we did not expect. It is so good. I, I can't. I cannot overstate how amazing the musical is. Like, there is no reason it should have been as good as it is, and yet, like, oh my god. God, the actress they got to play Utena. Oh my god, Panda, you're you're gonna love it because oh the the new cut of the musical, the one that's actually on the Blu-ray, we got it, we watched it over, all of that kind of thing. And they they the way it's cut focuses a lot more on the important things, so you get more of Jury, which everybody will be happy to hear, of course. Um, but it also focuses a lot more on expressions, and you actually get to see, like, the, the range of emotion that Utena's character is putting in. Because, like, frankly, I wasn't, like, super, super stoked about her the way I was with Toga and Anthe, of course. Um, but with this new cut and being able to see her expressions more clearly and all of that, I just, like... I'm just respecting her performance more and more. She really, really nailed the prince. And I just, like, oh, it's so good. So, uh, August 16th or 17th, I think, we're playing it. Uh, I can't remember whether it's Friday or Saturday. But we will be broadcasting that on Twitch. So, you guys got free time for that? Um, maybe. Maybe? <laughs> I definitely want to. It just depends on work. Yeah, well, Scarlet would love. By the way, Scarlet would love um, a Utsuna Tarot, so we oh, would definitely want Honestly, that's been one of my that. dreams for years. Like, literally years. Ever since I saw the, the Japanese fan tarot, which had, I think, had already come out by the time I joined Empty Movement. Wow. Oh, wow. So that was a long Since, time like, ago. 2003, at least. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> all right. But so, now that we've done all that, I guess it is time to talk about our our good girl, Utena Tenjo. <laughs> our good and bad girl. A good dumb girl. <laughs> yeah. Good selfish girl. Good dumb girl. Good dumb girl is a way to is a great way to put it. <laughs> We have a couple of different places that we could start with talking about this now because there are oh my god, of oh really my god. great things to start I don't know with, if but... any, if any, if I, okay, Oscar, you're definitely not old enough to know this. Alice, <laughs> you might know this, but not because you're old enough, because you're geeky enough, I suspect. <laughs> um, uh, what the hell is that quote? Evil will always win over good because good, good is, is dumb. Stupid. I knew it! I knew you would know that. What's that from? Baseballs. It's a Star Wars parody. It's a it's a pretty decent Star Wars parody. I've seen Spaceballs. It's it's also like 
I love that movie for a lot of reasons, and one of it is because th- that is always a trope that's bothered the hell out of me. Yeah. And why does actually... good have to be dumb? Also, why does good have to be unsexy? Why can't good be sexy? <laughs> what? Everybody makes good, like, you know, pure and boring and all of that. And actually, okay, like... You've that... never seen Idris Elba be a, a good guy in a movie, then. Yeah. Like, then like, you why? Should, you, you need you need to watch Dark Tower, then, because that would solve that problem. Does anyone really need to watch Dark Tower? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I heard about that. I like the Dark Tower books, well, some of them. I literally don't have the time, because I could talk about it for two and a half hours. <laughs> have a lot of really complicated emotions that are coming back up again it is it is do you need a moment to cry make your own podcast (laughs) (laughs) nice (laughs) all all i will say is that when he is teaching jake to shoot and they do the little the the creed Mm -hmm. that i shoot with my i do not shoot with my eyes for he shoots with his eyes his forgotten face face of his father yeah. I, like, was weeping openly in the theater, and that's all I'm going to say. Um, Aww. But it's, it's funny you mentioned, like, it's it's funny, because, like, we were talking the first time we tried this about how, like, Utsun is kind of dumb. Yeah. Utsun is super dumb. She's... I love her to pieces, but she's so dumb. She's so dumb and so dense and in denial all the time. I honestly kind of, like, I know I said this in our take one or two or five or whatever. Uh... <laughs> I I really feel like a lot of that is willful ignorance. Like, I really feel like a lot of that is just, I don't want to deal with this, so I'm not going to see it. Yeah, and I, and I agree with you at the time. Like, because, I mean, some things I don't, I think she legitimately doesn't see. But yeah. But, like, we, we, you mentioned um, when she walks in on Anthe and her brother, and like... Don't say the name. It might summon <laughs> him. Anthe I mean, and the is, planetarium. I, Yes, at yeah, the end of the planetary. We will him, but we'll definitely summon Geo. <laughs> <laughs> like, like a ghost. When she, she sees that, and it's, like, never addressed. I mean, she thinks about it. We get a flashback. But, like, she never brings it up. She yeah. talks about it again when they're on the rooftop. Uh, oh, do, does she talk about it directly? I thought, like, I, I wasn't sure yes. if she was, like, directly talking about it. She yeah. does directly talk about it, but okay, only, so like, a line or two. She, yeah. It's not like yeah. she hammers on it. So she, she does by the end, but, she, like, there's a lot of, like, not talking about it that she does before that. Yeah, definitely. That's, like, the only time, really, that she, when she's faced with something, uh, like, even in that instance, it takes her, like, a while to actually address it. Mm-hmm. We also have, like, there's also, like, with with Wakaba, like, with Wakaba's attach, attachment to Seonji not going away, and the whole, like, Seonji, like, basically hides out of her apartment for a while, slumming it, um... I feel like she should have noticed something was up there, and I feel like she does does notice, but she just decides not to notice. Also, yeah. afterward, I mean, after the Wakaba episode, she, no one, neither she nor Wakaba ever brings any of that up again. I think Wakaba has an out there, because I think they're supposed to forget as oh, soon yeah, as they finish dueling. Black Rose tools. But Utena yeah. certainly like, doesn't. Yeah. I always, I always wondered, like, how much are they forgetting? Because, like, they seem like they're forgetting, but then they'll say something that sort of, like, makes you pause and go, wait, how do, do they remember any of it? Wakabas was weird. I remember that was really awkward. It was, I was, I was, I remember the first time I was watching it, I was trying to figure out if she actually forgot or if she remembered enough to know what happened and just decided to never talk about it. 
I feel like, um, hmm, I guess I've already, always, sorry, interpreted that as, um, kind of like a, a subconscious remembrance without a conscious remembrance. Like, See, that's what I was thinking too, happened. actually, is that yeah. they, maintain, they, they maintain it or uh, they retain it on like a subconscious level, but they can't really like. Yeah, because like when Miki sees Nemuro Hall, it. you remember at the very end after everything's yeah, over, yeah. Miki sees Nemuro Hall and he's like, oh my god, what was this place called? I don't remember. Right? Like, so I feel yeah. like on some level that like probably the emotional impressions and the the reactions and such are still there, but maybe they don't necessarily know why they're there. So Wakaba, yeah. for instance, might feel... Um, some resentment towards Utena, or more specifically towards Anthe, that just ramps up suddenly, and she has no no real idea why. I don't know. Like that's kind of how I always interpreted that, though, is that there's no no conscious remembrance, but a subconscious kind of imprint left over. Yeah, I think if they really didn't remember, then people who call the Black Rose Arc filler would be right. But they're like, even though they don't remember, they do. They do have that like body memory, like heart memory, of feeling the after effects without understanding what caused it. Yeah, definitely. And Black Rose arc is, by the way, Black Rose arc actually probably my favorite arc. Underrated, definitely an underrated arc. I've seen a lot of people be like, "Why did they even put this in there?" I'm like, "Why are you even watching this show?" <laughs> I find it. <laughs> you can't understand the first. Like the first arc is only half of the story. Because the second arc comes in and like kind of basically completes, it's the it's the antithesis to the the thesis of the first arc. Like they go together perfectly. They do. They really do. And I don't know, like not to diverge too much into like whole show analysis, but I feel like the Black Rose arc is a very um, kind of daring experiment to make with a show like this because it's it's so uncommon to focus that much on background characters and it's so very very hard to pull off where you have that much focus on all of these intertwining themes that all say something about the main characters and to just kind of pull that off beautifully and then immediately story-wise wipe it out even though she either barely knows or doesn't know like half the people in that arc it still kind of says something about her with each of those duels. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, you know, her non-confrontation of those people afterwards also says something about her that I've been kind of thinking on while you guys have been talking. Um, like, I do feel that Utena has a bit of a problem with avoidance of problems. <laughs> and I think that's probably the, the biggest case where it shows up is she never talks to any of these people afterwards. She just, she accepts it, which is cool. Like, she accepts that they have their issue and that it's important to them and all of that. But she never really kind of goes, goes even with Wakaba, she never goes out of her way to, to investigate that or <clears throat> try and fix it on a deeper level. Which, on the one hand, you would kind of expect that from a prince character. On the other hand, there's probably quite a few explanations you could dig up for that like for one um not wanting to intrude on people's privacy yeah i mean it could honestly just be that she doesn't want like some things are personal like 
and she doesn't like especially with Wakaba like are you really do you really want to go up to you, your best friend and like hey so why do you resent me you know what if it was my best friend i totally fucking would and i have you would yeah but i mean like that's why Gio and i are married right now is because i would do things like that (laughs) utana is definitely the opposite of that yeah yeah utana being able to sort of like whether like question or not question i'm curious like Utsuna's presentation in regards to, like, gender norms, as regards, like, her clothes, and to an extent her activity, like, what do you make of that? I'm curious, because I'm always, I'm always really interested in what people think about that whenever they, whenever we get them on here for the first time. And I actually kind of pointing this at Oscar specifically first, and then everybody Because <laughs> <laughs> you're the new one. I haven't heard George yet. I've heard bits and pieces of the other two. Yeah, I personally interpret Utana as a butch girl, uh, which is slight projection, mm-hmm. slight taking from what's actually there. Uh, mm-hmm. Her... It ties into the whole prince thing. I'm still kind of figuring all this gender stuff out for myself, so it's harder to, like... Uh, say it clearly for Utana, um, but the way she she reasserts herself as a girl basically from day one. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be with all those sweaty boys playing basketball. <laughs> and, yeah. And she. Yeah, I mean, she she does she does say multiple times that she is a girl. Yeah. She's very. Insistent I'm a totally her. normal girl <laughs> who <laughs> wants a totally normal boy. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think she has, um, like, I don't think she wants to be a boy, but she does want to, she wants what is associated with boys' masculinity. Uh, I guess you would kind of call it like a reclamation of those aspects without being a boy yourself. Um, she, she's always... Yeah, I think yeah. I'm pretty much with you on this one. Like she wants, we're presented with the idea that only masculine is strong, but Utana also wants to be strong, but doesn't want to lose her femininity in the process. I've entertained the idea of Utana being trans before, but I always come back to the fact that she insists that she's a girl, and she's very insistent about it in a non-defensive way. Yeah, like she just sort of says so, and it's just a statement of fact. Yeah. Honestly, I, can, I, I like that. Like, it's it's one of the first things that I noticed about this show that I liked. I think in a lot of ways um, that has to do with kind of like the societal pressures of being a girl, which knowing what I do about Japanese culture, which is not a hell of a lot. Don't, don't call me an expert. But there's very defined roles that you're supposed to fit into. And I think... To me, it feels like you have to reject those roles to become a real person. Like, I know, I know myself growing up, I never particularly thought of myself as feminine. I don't think of myself as masculine. Like, it doesn't matter to me what people call me. But it feels like, and it felt like growing up, that I always had to attempt to be more masculine to be taken seriously or to um get respect from people or anything like that so while not necessarily pinned to the whole idea of masculinity i still had to adopt some of the um trappings of it 
So I kind of feel like that's where that's part of where Utena might be coming from. But that could be projection. <laughs> Interpretation. It's hard not to project on Utena. Yeah. Just yeah. as a watcher, because like she is our main character, and also there's just like there's so much about Utena and like her personality that like is just very relatable in sometimes bad ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know problem avoidance is one of my problems. <laughs> I've been thinking about gender nonconformance uh, a lot lately. Uh, I saw some hot takes on Twitter. Uh, and that's always fun. <laughs> oh, but geez. just like I've seen multiple times people sort of express like, oh, I wish there was a, th- a female hero who's both feminine and badass. Um, and that's kind of, I don't know what world those people live in because that's actually most female heroes. Uh, right? Every time I see that, I'm like, are you guys just like not paying attention? Do you live in an alternate reality where Buffy the Vampire Slayer doesn't exist? Like- Maybe we should just like mail these people Lady Death comics. Does anybody remember those? <laughs> With the gigantic, of- gigantic I'm- hooters? Because that's feminine, right? <laughs> I have a passing familiarity with Lady Death. Oscar, I'll email you a picture. It's bad. I used to love those comics. I I have like a stack of Red Sonja from back in the day. Like, that works. That I picked up for like a dollar for 20 of them. I'm serious, though. Like, that's, I think that's what those people are wanting when they say things like that. Is like, okay, give us some big, big titties. And also have her kick ass. And that's femininity that's badass. It's like that um, that Kate Beaton comic. They really just need to, to play Skullgirls. <laughs> you guys know that um, that webcomic, Harka Vagrant? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, strong female characters, you know, Queen Eliza Tits and all of <laughs> yes. that, or Eliza Tits. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I honestly, I'm in full agreement with that comic. <laughs> I feel like that's what those people are asking for when they want badass femininity. I also wish these people would point me to where the gender non-conforming and butch female badass heroes are, because I don't see them. I think there are right? some in Steven Universe. Uh, that's one thing. Yeah, but, like, it just gender non-conforming sorts of Yeah, women, yeah, yeah, no. They're usually... Does Rosa Versailles count? Uh, maybe. I haven't seen it. You know what? I probably should have seen it by now, but I just Wait, I'm I'm not interested you guys in Shoujo. Seen Rosa Versailles? I have not. Okay, I am so brief, uninterested in Shoujo, I'm sorry. <laughs> very brief detour. Oscar, you should see Rosa Versailles because the main character is literally named Oscar. I know, I know. It's just <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I actually this entire time, I just sort of assumed that you were Oscar because I did Oscar too. from Rosa Versailles. <laughs> no, sorry, I haven't seen it. Is so does this mean you're Oscar because of Oscar the Grouch? Did I actually put you in a trash can when I when I showed you <laughs> the yes, Utena musical yes, and you decided to like you Toga? Mean, you guessed it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, it was your transformation. <laughs> Once I, you found I, out that I, Toga I, was a good character, you went immediately into the trash. <laughs> Okay, I I have to admit, I I did think of the name Oscar from Oscar from Rosa Versailles, even though I haven't seen the show. Okay, okay. You would, you'd probably like it. I probably I would. I grew up... <clears throat> my first experience with anime and manga was through shoujo manga, and that's still, like, 
the genre of my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Just real quick, what was your first manga? Uh, oh god. If you remember. That was back in like third grade. Too early. Too oh, early. Wow. Um, I remember my first anime, but that one's not shoujo. I first. I'm, I'm, I'm dying here hoping you say Fruits Basket. Uh, oh my god. I, I, I did read Fruits Basket when I was really young, but I think actually the first manga that I read was Kaicho wa Mitsama, which. I feel like I know that. It's, Never heard of it. Tell me about it. It's kind of a... It's a shitty shoujo manga, but I really love the protagonist, which I feel... <laughs> I feel about a lot of those. Um, and it's about... There, there's this girl who's the student council president, and she goes to a school that used to be an all-boys school, so she's one of the few girls, and she hates guys, because they're all stinky and rude and awful. <laughs> I like this girl already. <laughs> she also has a like backstory about her dad leaving her family into debt, so that just adds on to why she hates guys. Um, but despite her hating guys, she has to work a job to support her family, and she works at a maid cafe. Uh, and then the popular guy at school accidentally sees her at the maid cafe, and then they have to keep the secret. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's nice. It's trashy fun. There's oh, God, I shouldn't I shouldn't like start talking about this totally off topic thing. Whatever, do it. Do it. The, there's there's the typical sort of scenes, you know, where like some guy assaults the main female protagonist, and then the love interest will save her. Uh, yeah. I liked. One of the big things I like is just this one scene in the manga where uh, there's this like creepy stalker dude at the maid cafe, um, and the love interest guy notices, and he comes back to the maid cafe, and he's so worried, he breaks through the window and shatters all the glass, and then when everything settles, he realizes that um, the main girl has already kicked the ass of this guy and tied him up, <laughs> and she's standing over nice. him like, you know what you've done. <laughs> nice. Oh, I think I've read that. I think I did read that as a kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh. My very first manga was Tokyo Mew Mew. Oh, <laughs> I watched the anime. Tokyo Mew Mew is the shit for real. I have There's never heard of this. Yasha, you would not like Tokyo Mew Mew. <laughs> okay, no, it's, it's like furry Yasha, magical it's... girls. Yasha, you yeah, they're to... furry magical girls, kind of. Uh... Yasha, you would like Tokyo Mew Mew, but you have to like watch it in the right way, which includes like you have to get really drunk and then. Watch Tokyo Mew Mew. <laughs> I did that with Lane. You should watch the four kids. Really I got a bloody nose. I a transcendent love experience. Girls, so I love it. <laughs> yeah, you should watch the okay. four kids dub. Is what I said. Oh, oh God! Absolutely I was, not. Yeah, I was saying that you should watch it while in, while sloshed because it's a sublime experience. Yeah, um, I did that with the Twilight movies, and it was not sublime. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think I drank a whole 1.14 liters of rum that first movie. It was really bad. <laughs> oh, my first anime. Oh, I can't remember my first manga, but it was either Ranma One Half or Mega Tokyo. Believe it or not, do you guys know I Mega Tokyo? Ranma One Half for the first yep, time today. Really? Oh, yeah. Does that hold up? Um. Probably I mean, not. <laughs> I I found it to be a lot more charming than I expected. Um, I think that a lot of it's gender stuff probably uh, wouldn't be very well received if it were made like Definitely today. a product of its time. 
definitely. It's not, it's also not as bad as you would think it is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably a product of it being written by a woman. Oh, absolutely. 110%. Like, you can see through the way that they treat gender that, like, if this were written by a man, it would not be as good in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think that was my first manga, aside from Mega Tokyo, which isn't real manga. That was one of those Tokyo Pop uh, English, you know, North American artists thing. It was a webcomic. Oh, I remember Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, it's real bad. Anyway... Uh, my first anime was Dragon Half. I don't know if you guys know Dragon Half, but it was basically an acid test. Um, my buddies were like, if you can sit through this, you can watch anything. I was like, all right, I'm ready. So some night I would love to watch it with you guys because it's just a blast. It's only a, only two episodes and it's, um, whew. <laughs> it's definitely a classic. <laughs> But we're we're okay. starting to stray from the topic here. So. We, we do have we do have a topic here. Our our very dumb prince. Oh right, and the gender stuff presentation. Yes, gender <laughs> presentation. And also to a lesser degree, like okay, here here's a question that I, like I started thinking about when I was first putting together this. Um, the first, literally, the first question I had on this little list was, "What does Utsuna mean by being a prince?" And then I paused and was like. I don't know what I mean by that. But, like, what does Utsuna mean by being a prince? Because it doesn't mean she wants to be a boy, but what does she mean by that? Like, she's very she's a little cagey about it. I have some projection in that case, because I have felt before, even though I'm not a boy and I don't want to be a boy, I have felt that I would, I would like to be a girl's boyfriend. Uh, despite not being a boy. Oh, I totally get that. So I feel like it's sort of similar in that instance of, like, having that archetype that is, even though it's associated with men, masculinity, um, I kind of want to take it for myself. Yeah, hell yeah, steal their masculinity. (laughs) (laughs) I I can see that, actually. Um... Yasha, do you have any thoughts? I feel like masculinity is um, not really what she's after there. She's more in terms, like, after just the strength to be able to protect herself and others was always how I saw that. But that's probably because that's what I would be going for in that situation. I wonder if there's something to it, the idea that, like, what she means is kind of, like, up to you, I guess? Like... That there's a there's a little bit of author sur- like um, I mean a- audience surrogacy there. I think so. I, I a lot of the show is constructed that way. So yeah, I I would say probably. I felt it was relevant to mention that Utena is not an isolated instance of a female prince character. That that is a whole archetype, you know, that starts with Oscar and still goes through a lot of other characters from other fiction. Yeah, you know, Ikuhara claims he has not seen Rosa Versailles. Yeah, uh, that we fucking about asshole. That when we recorded with Ari, and Ari said that she thinks that Ikohara is a lying liar who lies. He, yes, I mean he is a liar, and he is kind of full of shit. But I actually believe him this one time. Really, well, considering the massive popularity of Rose of Versailles, I have uh, 
a hard time believing that he never saw any of it, even if like just in passing. I thought I think what's real realistic is that I think that he was aware of Rose of Versailles and deliberately like want ha- started having ideas and then deliberately chose not to watch it and aggressively like avoid knowing what happened in it. I could see that because that's that's what I would have done. <laughs> yeah, I, I I could see that. I could say I did steal it if I if I don't know anything about it. That's <laughs> why I refuse to watch any of the Gundams in case one day I want to make something with mechs and I can pretend <laughs> I've never seen any of it. Oh my god, no. Oh, I think the Prince archetype stuff also ties into the, you know, like, Takarazuka theater stuff that inspires the show. I really wish I knew more about that aspect, um... Actually, that would be a really interesting uh, guest to have on sometime, you guys, is somebody who knows more about Takarazuka. Yeah, Yeah, if, if anybody listening, if you know about that kind of stuff and you'd like to come on and talk about it, like, we would love to have you because I don't really know that much about it either. Like, we will just give you a platform. I will take notes, I promise. I know basically just the, the very basics about it was uh, it's all female and... Um, a lot of it, well, not a lot of it, but the the entire thing was managed and kind of, like, gated by men, but it was all female, and uh, the the women who played more masculine roles ended up becoming, like, heartthrobs and things like that, and so it kind of ties into that whole um, class S relationship thing, where girls are in, girls in Japan during a certain time period were ex- expected to form somewhat romantic Wait. relationships with other girls and that was echoed in Takarazuka. That's, that, that's the whole like Yuri manga thing where like you know you, you you have the relationship that exists until you hit about 20 or so and then it's you, you have yeah. to married like normal then you're expected kinda. to move on yeah yeah which is my least favorite thing Takarazuka kind of played it. into that with the um, the women that were um assigned masculine roles for that and i vaguely remember hearing about a lot of them actually having girlfriends and being heartthrobs to women and that kind of thing but again i don't know too too much about it but obviously all of that is reflected in utena i mean with the way that characters treat utena herself she is treated like one of those takarazuka stars Oh, definitely. The only thing I know about Takarazuka, I'm trying to look for a Twitter thread I read recently that was sort of like a, here's the basics that you can know about it. Uh, although it was in the context of Review Starlight, that new anime. Mm. Which I was going to watch until like someone told me that it wasn't as good, but I'm still going to watch it. It looks cool, at least. It looks cool. I hear it's Abby the style it. of Utena without the substance of Utena, and I'm really down for the tears and grief so that's probably not my thing (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) i'm just an emotional vampire okay i just want those really deep gut-wrenching emotions we do have to talk about oots and anthe i was trying to i'm trying to think if there's any see if there's anything we talk about before we talk about oots and anthe but oh my god dive into Uh... a really horribly complex subject I have thoughts about Utena. I guess this would kind of be sort of transitioning into that, but I have a lot of thoughts and projection about Utena and her sexuality. <laughs> yeah, uh, do do we want to get into that? That seems like a good place to put it. Sure. Okay. I personally interpret Utena as a lesbian. Uh, and I have 
this Utena's sexuality seems to be quite the hot topic that people get very defensive about. God, uh, yeah. <laughs> which I, I understand, you know, people feel like they're fighting over scraps of representation. Uh, but in Utena's case, with it not being uh, specifically stated, I think you can take what you want from it. Um, hmm, yeah. Although, I think that falls under, like, what I was talking earlier about, like, Utena being very easy to sort of project upon and see yourself in, I think that that also, like, her sexuality is also a pretty big part of that, too. A lot of people seem to read into Utena, like, whatever their feeling of their sexuality is about themselves. Yeah. So, like I said, I interpret Utena to be a lesbian, and I am a lesbian myself. Uh, the way she... Like, her history and how she approaches men and her attempts at relationships with men, uh, they, remind, they remind me of my own attempts with heterosexuality when I didn't know I was gay. Um, the, even now, I kind of struggle with that, which it feels... It always feels kind of weird to admit, being that I know I'm a lesbian and that I would never feel comfortable dating a guy, but I still get sort of those pressuring thoughts sometimes of just like, okay, but what if, like, what if this guy is the Mr. Right? Uh, <laughs> it's... It, yeah, it, it, it's the sort of like, the default, it's the sort of like artificial default. Yeah, and even when I know that I don't like a guy, uh, I, there's still like... It really annoys me that because I have am so entrenched in like heterosexual society and heterosexuality in fiction and everywhere in all those stories that it exists in, even even when I'm not trying to, my brain will still make the connections as if I were straight. Uh, so if I were to bump shoulders with like the, a friend of mine who's a guy, then my brain would would be like, oh, and then sparks fly here, even though I feel nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm gonna be honest, like, I also kind of see Utsuna as a lesbian, even though, like, I'm not, like, specifically a lesbian. Like, I, I kind of get that from a lot of the way that she treats her interactions with, like, male characters and, like, the way that she seems to express her, like, feelings about them and like I, like she a lot of her like attraction to men has like in a lot of ways for the in the series which there really isn't that much of it like just in general but like always felt like I don't it's know complicated. Like, like a little like she wasn't necessarily like it felt like she was sort of going through the motions, but like that's my interpretation. Uh, I mean, I tend to mostly. see Utena as being kind of bi, but there is something to be said for the fact that like the only real example we have of Utena being her, um, attracted to a guy really would be Akio, and it's that's such a like can of worms that it's it. I feel like it's hard for me to make a definitive sort of. Um, judgment based off of that relationship. 
Don't forget, there is so toga too, even though that, for me true. personally, falls a little bit mm -hmm. flat. I know a lot of people did, did and maybe still do interpret that as a genuine attraction of some sort, which I can't understand at all. Sorry, but okay. Well, I can't, you can't, I can't in the, in the movie. Yeah. That, but that's very different. That's yeah. That's another thing. The only, the, like, and I don't want to, like, I don't want to, like, step on anybody who does see uh, Uzna as being genuinely attracted to Toga, but, like, that for me also felt more like she was just sort of, it was an extension of her feelings about, like, her prince that she's fixated on, mm -hmm. rather than, like, just being attracted to Toga, like, for real. Yeah. There's also, there's also a sense of, like, have you ever had this experience where someone has both has is both irritating and you're flattered yeah like yeah, i definitely. feel like some of it is that where like it's more like she's not so much attracted to and likes toga in that way but toga's attention there's a part of her that likes having that attention even as the rest of her would rather toga go die in a fire no like, one no one should like a, toga it's like a, it's, no one says the toga it's complicated. Yes. <laughs> like, it's not like it's, it's not a total rejection, but it's, it's complicated. And I mean, which is the same with her her sort of ties to Akio. There's there's a lot there that sort of like I wouldn't want to definitively say anything because there's just so much going on there. Yeah, I kind of have to have two different interpretations of this just because um with me and Gio being prominent voices in the fandom for so long, it's like you don't, you really, really, really don't want to step on anybody's interpretation because you don't want them to feel unwelcome. So it's like on the one level, my interpretation is look at what's there. If you find something meaningful in what's there, then that's true. And that's really all as far as I can go with it in a lot of ways um personally like if i had to apply it to myself i would just go straight back into projection and be like oh well she you know sleeps with a dude and also has romantic feelings for girls she's bi but that's not like i i constantly have to recognize and check myself and say like, that's not applicable to everyone. That's my personal thing. That's not, like, if somebody else sees it as being, um, I think the only thing that you really yeah. can't get from that is completely straight. <laughs> yeah. 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 No matter so. what you believe, she probably does like girls. I said, we're never going to get anything super definitive there. Yeah. It is kind of going to always come down to just, like, to a degree who you are and your experience. Okay, yeah, I, I want to revise my statement a little bit. The only gatekeeping that I will do in Utena fandom is anyone who thinks that Utena is a heterosexual. I'm sorry, but that's the only time I'm, yeah. I'm going to put my foot down and say, no, you are wrong. As much as I would like to be open to that kind of interpretation, that it just, it does not fit, it doesn't fit the facts. Like, it just straight doesn't. The only place you could actually <laughs> say that it does is in the manga, maybe. You can maybe say she's straight there. Because that's really, that doesn't really end romantically between her and Anthe, so 
like you could maybe do that but uh god just more i feel like it's less that in the manga she's more straight and more that she doesn't go on out on quite as much of a limb yeah she's obviously curious and there's a fluidity there i'm not saying that that's like the interpretation i'm saying if you want to twist yourself into that pretzel you could probably do it with the manga (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry come visit me and i'll make you some (laughs) i've seen some takes not just about utana but also in other things with two female characters who are implied or are canonically in love uh about like wanting like i see these two as platonic and not in love with each other because i want to i want the i want media that emphasizes the importance of female friendship and i have i mean cool there's like a lot of those yeah there's a lot of those have they never watched they were moon (laughs) <laughs> no sailor moon is gay for all her friends that's camp <laughs> okay let, let me just defend my anti-sailor moon stance here no <laughs> i do not give a fuck about sailor moon i'm sorry <laughs> i've never seen sailor moon sorry Gosh, you wound me so deeply. i'm sorry it's just you know what no it it's like the labyrinth thing i missed the labyrinth thing too like all of those chicks getting all ooh over David Bowie's fucking package or whatever. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't care. Sailor Moon is too wholesome for you, Yasha. Probably. <laughs> but in, about female friendship in Utena, I mean, you don't, you can have Utena and Utena and Anthe be in love, and then st- there's still like Utena and Wakaba. They're very strong female friends. The one thing that really gets me about that, and the one thing that I'm, that basically prevents me from ever saying, no, you can't interpret it that way or anything like that, is there's a lot of emphasis placed on what is love apart from sexuality in Utena. So I can definitely see people wanting to separate the two in the end with her and Anthe. So, like, because all of this sexual, like, And I posted this on Tumblr a couple of years ago, maybe, and got a bunch of pushback on it. But Utena, like, the show Utena treats sex horribly. Horribly. Like, it is never a good thing. It is never presented as being something positive. It's always presented as being a situation where somebody is taking advantage of the other person. The, The closest thing we get to a consensual sexual relationship is Akio and Mrs. Otori, who is poisoning her freaking husband so that she can sleep with Akio. That's the closest thing we get to a consensual adult sexual relationship in Utena. So for me, it's really hard to say, like, you absolutely can't interpret that as a friendship because a lot of emphasis in the show is placed on sex being a bad thing. So I, I can totally see why people that. would pick up on that. Yeah. yeah. I could see that. Like, I feel like it, it, there's enough room in that sort of like discourse for that, for that. Yeah. I feel like it has to do a lot more legwork, but I mean, I would be interested in at least if somebody was willing to do that legwork, I'd actually be interested in reading and or hearing that. Actually, we've because... got a couple of members of the discord that yeah have that yeah. point of view. Um, one of them's a Miki fan, by the way, if you're still looking to interview a Miki fan. I think we are. Okay, I'll contact them and, uh, see what they say about it. That would be great, actually, because I'm, I'm really super curious 
because I like Mickey, but I wonder if I like Mickey for the same reasons that other people like Mickey. <laughs> um, so I'm, oh, I'm about that. you're gonna you're gonna have a hard time with my friend Siora. She hates Mickey. That's the I gotta give you her email. That's the Kose fan that I was <gasps> suggesting to you. She loathes him. I 100% can see why people would hate the various incarnations of Mickey. I don't want to get um, too deep into honestly, her view because she'll give it, but as far as um, as far as I can tell, it's because Mickey's hypocritical. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Sure. But I mean, yeah, like I mean, everybody is. So. Yeah. yeah that, that's the thing about like that is a weird thing about this show is that Utsun is the only character that I find that I can't, on some level, understand why I would hate. Hmm. I could be frustrated with Utsuna, but I can't really bring myself to understand why someone would actually hate Utsuna. I don't think I've ever met anybody who I, hates I, her. I, I read a live blog once of someone who kind of hated Utsuna and loved like every other character. Uh, just because they were so annoyed at her denseness, basically, for most of it. I don't know, that's just part of what makes her so charming for yeah, me. Yeah, I, I, I do agree. Um, I love my idiot daughter. <laughs> One last thing about the friendship interpretation is I I totally understand, like, individuals having that and having that be special to them. Uh, I just, it bothers me on a level of, like, it's a pattern that I see in a lot of media that has uh, romantic relationships between two women uh, where people will adamantly be like, but why can't they just be close friends? Uh yeah. There, yeah. There is there's, a degree of yeah. there's a degree of like even if the individual isn't necessarily being disingenuous, there is a degree of like there are a lot of people who say that who are disingenuous. And so it's hard to tell them apart. Yeah. Just, that's probably not entirely fair, but Yeah, no, I totally agree. The popular view like hmm, people trying to sanitize lesbianism is definitely a problem. Um None of the people I've talked to in the fandom are coming at it from that angle. Most of them are very respectful and like, yeah, that's probably the view. But this is... And I actually got into a fight on Tumblr about this (laughs) with somebody who is like literally screaming through their keyboard at me because I dared to say, yeah, it's okay for you to interpret them as friends when somebody had said, yeah, they're probably lesbians, but this is meaningful to me. I think that's yeah. fine. As long as Which, you acknowledge that that is, like... Yeah. I think acknowledging other people's points of view is the most important part. Like, just being able to say, yeah, you see it that way and I don't agree with you, but you, I still respect that you're here throwing out your opinion, as it were. I would like to say, like, officially, that if anybody listening does actually have that sort of take on it, I would love to hear a in-depth explanation you can totally dm me um or dm me through like our official twitter because i am very curious yeah feel free to send us an email and i'll make sure alice gets it and i am always here as a go-between for anybody who can't get their contact information Panda, are you recording? Okay, you're recording. Awesome.
All right. So this is a post from the best slash worst fart stories from something awful. And the guy says, I got one from just last week. I got some coupons for Arby's, so I decided to get uh, buy one, get one free beef and cheddars. The plan was to eat one for lunch and save the other for later, but I was really hungry, so I ate them both. This is before the start of my shift at work. I was to be running a forklift all day. The floors at work are mighty bumpy, and driving around on that thing must have rattled the Arby's through the pipes quicker than usual, because about two hours into the shift, it feels like the shit is being forced against my ass gates at gunpoint. I made it to the bathroom and very carefully climbed down from the forklift. Did that knees together shit shuffle to the stall, but before I could set the brown hog free, I realized I wasn't alone. A coworker had gone in there to make a phone call. Sounded like he was making some sort of, sort of appointment for his daughter. I tried to hold it. I really did. I remember saying, I'm sorry, low enough that he wouldn't hear, but loud enough that God might forgive me for what I was about to do. When the first turd slid out, it sounded like peeling open a fruit roll-up. Then came a spluttering, spattering round of pure liquid, followed by about ten seconds of farts that sounded like whale songs. There were one or two more squirts of shit before it was all done. The whole time, that poor bastard was on the phone. I don't know if they could hear my shits through the phone, but this is a concrete and tile bathroom, so the acoustics definitely amplified the farting, splashing water, and heavy breathing. He left before I was done, but he definitely commented on it later. Basically just asked what the hell is wrong with my body. I blamed it on the Arby's. <laughs> I I just love the turns of phrase. Like like the the whale song. Seriously? Whale songs. But yeah, so this is what I spent my time doing. <laughs> Oh, so how was everyone's day? <laughs> nice. <laughs> I think I went to bed at like 10 and woke up at 1 because my stupid brain doesn't want me to sleep. I don't know why, but uh, no, 1 p.m. Afternoon. You daywalkers confuse me. I'm a night person. <laughs> what were you going to say, Alice? You know what? Um, okay, you could do what I did, which is basically just installing two programs and um, then turning up the volume. I can give you the links for that if you want. It's it's not hard, and it might help. Okay, let me just. Uh, I'll grab the links and I'll throw them in the Twitter chat. 
Because the thing with um, the thing with mics that are digital is they don't have any kind of pre-amplifying component, so it's like you can't turn them up. So I think that's what's happening here because that's what's happening with my mic. Um, let me just. Okay, so it would be one download, one install and then restart your computer, and then the other download and install. And I'll just pop the link into Twitter here for the first one. We're trying to get Oscar's mic a little bit louder. Yeah. Oscar, do you see that link in the, in the Twitter thing? Okay. So it'll be just download, install, and then it'll ask you to restart. Go ahead and do that. And I'm going to pop the other link into Twitter so that you can install that after. And it 